This is important to pay attention to. It's important to share with your family and it's important to embrace something that you've been given, not dealt. I don't need cancer in this lifetime. Both my parents died of it. I wanna do something that I could actually teach others. Hi everyone and welcome to Superwoman Wellness. I'm Dr. Taz. I've made it my mission throughout my career in integrative medicine to support women in restoring their health using a blend of Eastern medical wisdom with modern science. In this show, I will guide you through different practices to find your power type and fully embody the healthiest and most passionate version of you. I'm here for you and I can't wait to get started. This is a Soul Fire production. All right, guys, I do want to bring some attention to gluten and how troublesome gluten can be for so many people. This wasn't an issue a generation ago. It's an escalating issue today. And we continue to hear so many people dismiss it, especially in the exam rooms and say that gluten intolerance is not real. Inflammation from a gluten intolerance is rampant. Everything from your hormones to your mental health, to your joints, to so many others, your gut health and everything in between can be tied back to gluten. So don't be fooled just because you don't have a digestive issue doesn't mean you're clear of this gluten intolerance issue. It can show up in many subtle ways. It's important to get checked and get evaluated. But remember your doctors have to look in multiple kind of avenues. You have to look at genetics. We have to look at the gut itself. We often have to look at blood testing and intolerance testing and even allergy testing to be able to put those pieces together. Of course, you can do an elimination diet. My experience after all these years is that those are hard to stick to and many of you get discouraged very quickly. So that's where the data helps. So gluten-free, there is a life after being gluten-free. There's a great life after being gluten-free because you feel incredible. Don't get discouraged. Peggy's book and so many others like it are great resources to help you on that journey. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Superwoman Wellness, where our mission is to keep you guys super powered. And that means paying a lot of attention to your food. If you guys know my story, you know that food ultimately healed me. I went on my own journey of being super sick, finding out that I had a lot of inflammation. And really, when we got down to it, the very bottom of that journey, it was gluten. Gluten was causing everything from my thyroid issues, my PCOS, my hair loss, my weight gain, my joint pain, my mental health, and so much more. So I am pleased to introduce you guys to a kindred spirit I have with me today, Peggy Curry. Uh, Peggy is actually a lifelong educator, a food entrepreneur, an author, a speaker, an award-winning health and wellness advocate, and she spent decades supporting others on their health journey. She began her career in 1995 when she launched Evie's Garden, I hope I'm saying that right, organic marinara sauce, an organic food company, which was distributed at Whole Foods Market and other grocery stores nationwide. To further her mission of helping others live healthier, Peggy co-founded the School Garden and Nutrition Education nonprofit growing great and developed a nutrition curriculum that continues to educate hundreds of thousands of students across the country in terms of making healthy food choices. And there's still so much more work to do. Today, she's speaking, she's teaching, she's writing. I've got this incredible <laughs> book called Damn Good Gluten-Free. Welcome to the show, Peggy. Thrilled to have you here. Can't wait to dive into your story. Oh, me too. Thank you for having me. <laughs> 
Well, you know, so there's so many amazing guests that come on the show. And before we get into all the details, I'm going to ask you a question Mm -hmm. and then I'll probably ask it again towards the end. But what do you think your superpower is? What keeps you superpowered? My superpower is um, I think the time that I take going within. My Mm -hmm. superpower is my morning routine or spending time here in nature in Colorado. What that does is it energizes me in a way that nothing else has. I love it. And that morning routine, I think is gold. It's precious. And for all of us out there trying to multitask ourselves into who knows what, I think that (laughs) sacred time is so important, but let's get into your story. I mean, you know, this whole topic of nutrition, eating well, feeding our children, you know, has escalated over the years. I think for those of us, like I've been in this field for about 14 years. I don't know how long you've been on the landscape, but a lot of us thought we were nuts and doing things like going gluten-free and, you know, thinking about your gut health and all this stuff was crazy talk and for the woo-woos and all the other stuff. And it's amazing and so gratifying for me to see it go mainstream. How did you get led down this path out of curiosity? Well, it, it really started just with my own health. I had severe panic disorder. I had IBS, ulcerative colitis. I've been with my husband. We're both in our mid sixties. And since we're 15 years old and 15 and 16, yeah. and we both had these separate ailments, his with his migraine headaches and like elephantitis and me with my panic disorder and all these other things. So I was constantly looking because no doctor would give me any kind of help. There wasn't really help back then. No one ever addressed nutrition, things like that. So you fast forward and then we have these four beautiful kids. We're maintaining- All girls, right? Everyone- All all girls, yes. We have four girls under the age of, um, well, they're all four within six years I had them. So I I felt like I was always pregnant. Yeah. But um, the beautiful thing was, is that, I was slowly introduced to metaphysics. I was slowly introduced to food because my mother had had breast cancer. Mm. So as a teacher and educator by trade, I was always investigating, curious, what can I do to help myself? How can I help my mother? And then after she passed away, um, now almost 30 years ago, so I've been doing this for over 30 years, is that my kids started having symptoms. And every one of us had different symptoms, which was odd. I had a great pediatrician. She allowed me to kind of work with her along with a whole host of other, you know, kind of, you know, back then they were called woo, woo, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to figure out, you know, how to remedy all these kids and their, and their symptoms. And so that's really the path that kind of led me to finally realizing after I had been working with um, this group of celiac parents, because after teaching, I became a chef and teacher for food. And, you know, because of growing great, I then went in my community and branched out within the greater LA area, teaching people how to eat for their health. I knew there was something in it back then, but I didn't really realize it until my own family was so sick and I had to heal them. And was gluten like the link for everyone? Was that really kind of the key for the whole family? Yes. And ironically, I had this group of celiac 
parents that I was helping with their food. And Megan had gotten so sick right before her senior year of college of high school. And they're like, Peggy, you need to all get tested. My doctor never said that to us. Mm. And so we all got tested. Sure enough, my husband and I both have the genetics. Okay. Four of our kids have the gene for gluten intolerance. Tim actually has the celiac sprue, but funny enough, Megan and I, who Megan is my partner in Curry Girls Kitchen, Mm -hmm. she and I got tested first because we exhibited the greatest of the symptoms, you know, whether we got so sick or me with my bloating or whatever I was feeling, you know, digestively. So that's really how we all got started. And that was, um, oh gosh, nearly 20 years ago. Wow. And so were you surprised by the celiac or the gluten diagnosis or had you already suspected it and made some changes or? Well, we had already cut out like weed, but still, you know, you go to bed and your gallbladder is still talking to you. You're getting the pains and the joint pains still because I'm thinking I'm eating a good rye bread or a sprouted wheat. And I'm thinking I'm doing my body good, but my body's still talking to me. And so once we were diagnosed, it was almost an answered prayer. I lost both my parents to cancer. Mm. My mom, 30 years ago, my dad, like almost 20 years ago. and looking back now, knowing what I know from all of this and the symptoms, both my parents had symptoms. Mm -hmm. My siblings all have symptoms, you know, and so does Tim's family, which is so, you know, it's, it's ironic, but that's what it is. And I have a Jewish fat. I was raised Jewish. Tim was raised Catholic, but the region we were both from our ancestors were the Ashkenazi Jew, Ashkenazi, you know, that kind of region. So it was just really fascinating for me to be able to kind of put all this together. And literally, once we got this diagnosis, life changed. Wow. How long did it take for it? Was it a whole family effort? Or was it one person at a time? Or no. So, so once it once we were diagnosed, Mm -hmm. Megan and I, I said, look, obviously we all have our different symptoms. We all need to be, you know, tested. So the big thing for me was not by blood, but by getting tested from the bowel and your intestines, Mm -hmm. we all had it. And then as a family, because we do these things called family meetings back when the kids Mm -hmm. were growing up and every Sunday we'd have our family meetings and then we would talk about, okay, how are we going to do this as a family so that you guys can kind of, you know, have, you know, empower them to make better choices for themselves. And then we all decided, you know, for one year, we're going to do this for one year. We're going to cut out gluten. We're going to cut out dairy since we know it's all part of the same villi, right? right. Uh-huh. And, and so we, we healed, we healed wow. so well, but it only took about three weeks because my husband, who was such a skeptic, he mm-hmm. was the biggest skeptic. He was like, I don't know. Three weeks in, we're at a soccer field and he's like whispering to me. I think it's <laughs> I love like you with your yeah. joint pain, we were like in our, I don't know, late forties, yeah. early fifties whatever. And we were getting out of bed as if we were 80 year olds. Our joints were so painful and sore. 
to the point where he's walking around the field ground. I don't think I have any more pain. I'm like, I know the husbands are always like the last ones on board. They're just like, okay, your little thing spin around with your stuff. And then all of a sudden they're like, wait, I actually feel really good. You know, so right? I love that. But you know, we had a similar story in our family, quite honestly, because you know, I went through all that. I was in my well, I got sick in my 20s, figured it out by the time I was like 31, 32. Got didn't really have it down in terms of being gluten-free. And you know what I mean? There's a lot of trial and error. And we can talk about that too. Like, oh, I'm doing a good job. And you're like, oh, wait, no, that's loaded with gluten. I just messed up. But um, went through a lot of that, had my children. So I had children a little bit later, but my son, you know, was failure to thrive and had a horrible gut, had reflux, had all these issues, you know, which then translated into learning issues when he was little. And it took me a while to be like, oh my God, this kid has a gluten issue too. And the minute we pulled him off gluten, you know, it took a few weeks, of course, but all of a sudden he started gaining weight. And then, you know, that had led to a lot of fat malabsorption. So the minute we corrected that, then all of a sudden he's like, learning better and he had better fine motor and, you know, all this other stuff. So the power of some of these foods and what they can and cannot do, you know, is just unmistakable. And and like my favorite story to tell is my own father who is like, I think I might be taller than him. He's five, two, five, three, but, um, his father was six feet. His brother was over six feet but he was like kind of orphaned and abandoned. So we always thought it was just poor nutrition, but he's got it too, you know? So it's like, you see it come through a family and generations have gone by and it's never been identified. So again, very similar story, but so how did you guys adapt? So people out there listening, I know you guys, I have so many patients that come in and they're like, please don't tell me to take this away. Please don't tell me to take that away. I was scared to come in here because I was afraid of what you're going to tell me, but it doesn't have to be bad, right? And there are different ways. First of all, we can talk about diagnosis. There are different ways to diagnose it, right? There's the genetic piece that you talked about. There's the biopsy that usually you do when you've had a colonoscopy and they try to identify it that way. And then there's blood testing and stool testing and saliva testing for more IgG levels, which is looking at more intolerance testing, not true allergy, not a genetic like celiac necessarily, but an intolerance that many people seem to have. But once you get that information, I remember in the early days of the practice, I'm like, oh, go gluten-free. And people would call back crying, you know, being like, you don't understand when you just tell someone to go gluten-free, you can't flippantly say go gluten-free and think that everything's going to be okay. So, you know, as your family made this transition, because it sounds very much like it was for the fam, it was a family oriented movement. Like, how did you guys manage? How were you able to go to teenagers and tell them this is something you need to do? Well, my kids were literally in middle okay. school and, and high school. I mean, like the worst possible ages you would think, but because we had that foundation of family time, we could talk mm. about it and really help each other out as well. But one of the things was, is that I was very honest. I wanted to empower my kids because I knew back then about eating disorders or, you know, things that were, were very possible with young Mm -hmm. girls. And I was very careful about choosing my words, sharing information with them. But the main thing that I did was I told them the truth, my truth, what I believed. And so what I believed was that And what I had read many times over is that there's a 70% increase 
risk of a of a degenerative disease happening if you don't follow a gluten free mm. diet because there's this thing what was my aha about my mom was the layering i saw the layering and then later on in clients that i worked with i saw the layering oh i can't go gluten free yes. it's too hard and then like months later i just got diagnosed with lupus or you know, Epstein-Barr or, you know, some other kind of autoimmune disorder. And that's what I call this layering. It starts in our gut and our intestine, that whole area, because like, you know, you have these seven systems that are like a, like the watch. If one is missing, one part is missing, everything else is like to the wind, yeah. right? And so that's what I shared with my kids. I said, look, this is how we're going to eat in the house. If you're out and you're with friends or you're at a party and you need to do whatever you need to do, just know the repercussions. You know, you're you know, you could have repercussions and they would. They would start learning about when they ate certain things, they'd have a reaction. And after a while, they hated the reaction mm -hmm. enough to stop. And because I was a chef and teaching parents, I really developed recipes over time, which are in damn good gluten-free, that it they were happy. In fact, their friends would come over and they're like, oh my God, I love this, yeah. you know? So because it was a happy thing, not what you can't right. have, but look at all the stuff you can have. And that's what, how I present it. It's not what we can't, it's what we I love that. I think that's amazing because so many people think that it's a sentence, it's a punishment, oh right? Like it's, they're not going to be a part of society anymore. And teenagers in particular and kids really struggle, especially when like pizza and goldfish and mac and cheese are kind of staples out there. So this cookbook was born over, I'm assuming the course of all your cooking and educating and doing all your work. Uh, talk to us about the birth of this. Like how, what was your intention with putting this together? <laughs> it looks so fun. I actually opened it up the other day because I wanted to start playing in the kitchen with some of these ideas, but I love the way you've organized it. Like in the beginning, it, it really teaches you how to organize your kitchen. Cause I think that's half the battle. Right. But, um, you know, oh if someone's trying to go gluten-free and they don't know where to start. Like, what are you hoping that they will learn from, from this cookbook? Well, so this cookbook is the like nearly 30 years of me working one-on-one -on -one private. I would go into to people's homes and I would reorganize their pantries and we would look at what are going to help you heal? What is going to be the best benefit? What are the highest quality ingredients that are going to serve you for your whole life? And if you start teaching people at a young age, and especially your kids, they're going to recognize the difference between the, you know, number 10 food source versus a number three, four or five, you know what I mean? And so I go in and I teach them how to read a label. What's your best crossover foods? Like there's so many things today that I can't even tell you how blessed we are that food manufacturers did get mm -hmm. on board. And because I was one, I knew the companies that I wanted to align with that I knew were really high quality. And so in the book, that's what I'm sharing. The first thing that we're doing, which is what I call the kind method, kitchen improvements to nourish yourself daily. 
are those small increments of improvements that you can make that over time, these habits are going to, you know, serve you so well, right? Literally. The kind movement, kitchen improvement. The kind method. Yes. The kind method, kitchen improvements to nourish. Daily. I love that. So it's your ingredients matter. You know, the, the things that you stock in your pantries, both your dry pantry and your refrigerator and freezers. Okay. So you set yourself up for success that way. Then the other coup de grace is you now you're organized. Now we're going to show you in chapter two also how to meal Mm, plan. mm -hmm. So that's like what you said about the book. It's the only one I've ever seen is how I've set it up for themed weeknight dinners. So what I did, I'm going to show you this little thing. I don't know if it's going to read. I know that's what I was worried about too, but we'll see. I know. But so what it is, is that, I don't know. Yeah. No, it looks great. Yeah. Okay. So Monday night was always Italian night. So, and that's, this is all these chapters are set up. Monday night's Mediterranean Italian. Tuesday night was Southwest Mexican or taco night. Wednesday was wild fish. Thursday was veggie night um, because the almighty baked potato with food combined, Uh right? And then Friday was one pot. Like I said, I'm Jewish. My husband's Catholic. We celebrated Uh Shabbat. And right before um, football game, all the kids would come over. They'd have this big meal with us and it'd be great. And then on the weekends, you know, the weekends were, you know, pizza night, burgers. But of course, in the book, there's all these other recipes on the weekends that you can make. But I wanted to simplify it for myself. Yeah, I love that. When you have four kids and you're running around because they're all very athletic, right? And I'm running and going and doing. And then I'm also teaching parents. I needed to make my life in a way that was easy. And I prioritized food. Food was an important thing for us, especially once we were diagnosed Mm. gluten-free, as was the family table. That family table was huge because of setting that foundation with your family and, you know, really building trust, learning how to communicate with one another, sharing your feelings. It was our hub. Every night we met there. I think, um, you know, one of the things that I'm trying so hard because mine are now 13 and 14 and with their activities that sometimes keep, I hate that. I almost wish there was a universal law that all activities needed to be done by this time. So a family could, could like come together and congregate, but like, you know, my son has soccer practice, won't be home till eight 30 daughters going off to tennis, won't be home till six. And so everyone's doing a lot of this, you know? But what Mm -hmm. I've sort of put into place too, because otherwise you can literally be passing ships through the night and have no relationship with these guys and then they're gone. So I said, even if you've eaten, you have to come down and sit with us for X amount of time. Um, You can sit there silently if you choose to, but you have to come and sit with us (laughs) because we have a little bit of communion before we move on to another day. But, But that family dinner, the, I do see the values of meal prep and playing with food in both of them. Like my son loves to get in there and cook. He's pulling recipes and doing all this other stuff. Oh. My daughter does the same thing. So I do see that value 
in them. So they've, they've absorbed some of it. Right. But like, I am struggling personally a little bit with trying to maintain this unit as people's activities and our careers and everything else continue to pull at us. But, but it's good to hear that it can be done because you've had four and been through that. So. And, and just remember, you know, every bit yeah. counts, you know, because the intention is there, you know, and even like when I would go and drive and pick them up, I'd have like a fast food wrap mm-hmm. for them to eat. And then they come home if they're whatever else is for dinner, you know, they'd sit down, but it's still that yeah. effort. Yeah, I love that. Well, and I love that you've organized this cookbook by day. I don't think I've seen a cookbook organized that way before because that is how mothers think. That's how we think like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I actually am going to follow this because I think that's amazing to, to think that way and take, again, it's the, the, it's not cooking that so many people hate that I hear it's more, it's, it's like the planning and what do we make and how to get in there and all that other good stuff. But let's go back to the idea. Uh, and I want to ask you another question. Let's say someone starts out gluten-free, new journey, you know, where do you advise them to begin? What would their first three steps be? Well, I love this question. So the first step would be to understand you're not alone, that there's so many people out here in the cyber world now that's here to help you. So for me, the first step would be, okay, attitude is everything, your perspective, how you model to, let's say you have this family, or maybe it's a child that's been diagnosed. It's really like looking at it in a way of, wow, this is a gift, not something bad because it's to me, life-saving. So it's attitude number one to accept it. And then number two is how are you going to embrace it? So you've got to learn some things. And that's why I wrote this book very succinctly in a way, because I was a special ed school teacher. My brain works, you know, right. for kids yeah. really, but to make it really for the lay person that, like you said before, the doctor says, you know, here, go gluten-free. And you're like, what the heck am I supposed to be doing now? So it's understanding which foods are going to be benefiting you, right? That are going to actually heal you. So it's knowledge is a lot. So acceptance, knowledge. And I think the third one um, would be commitment. I think committing, committing to something that is so important. Food is, you know, there's all this research now. You know, I don't know if you've been following Dr. Lee and his latest book about, you know, eat to beat cancer and all these Mm -hmm. things that research has now caught up that this is important to pay attention to. It's important to share with your family and it's important to embrace something that you've been given, not dealt. And that was the one thing that I think for me, I prayed. I said, God, I don't need cancer in this lifetime. Both my parents died of it. I want to do something that I could actually teach others. And to me, it was a gift. So I look at it in a way of embracing it and then getting help, getting support, I like you know, that. which is what Megan and I have done all these years. I so, like yeah. that. Now, when someone gets or is told that they need to be gluten-free, does that mean no bread, no pizza, no pasta forever? A hundred percent. No way. Because today, again, depending on where you live, you know, so in, in LA, there's all yeah. these new artisan yeah. bakeries. There's, you know, um, beautiful breads that you can get online or in the markets now today. 
Um, but you can also learn to bake if you want. Like there's incredible bakers out there with books. Erin Gayoga has these incredible. Last year was all about sourdough yes, bread yes, baking. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, literally my kids are like, oh my gosh, there's nothing we can't have anymore. Even the almighty croissant, oh, you know, it's like, it's like so cool. So it's, it's really is, there's no living without anymore. If you truly want it, there is a good version. All. Are there certain flowers that you've found work really well in terms of bread and croissants and stuff like that? What are your favorites? Yeah. So I don't bake a croissant because that's like too yeah. technical, but I've baked bread. Even in the book, there's a super simple bread recipe using a mix. And it's from my favorite company, which is oh, Pamela's. Yeah. I love Pamela's. Pamela's. That's a good one. Yes. And, and the thing about products that I love is that I'm looking for something that's not only beneficial, but yeah. taste. If something doesn't taste good, who's going to want to eat it, right. right? So that's where all of these recipes have come in to play is that they taste good and they're not so Oh my gosh, I love that. Well, these are all great tips, but you mentioned numbering foods, like a number 10 food source, mm -hmm. a number three food source. Yeah, Talk to me good. about that. What is that? So once you've been, let's say, diagnosed gluten mm -hmm. intolerant, you're healing your body. You're healing it in a way that you want to start putting number 10 food sources in. So those number 10s are your whole, close to the source, minimally processed foods. A whole roasted chicken. My kids would come home on Tuesdays because that was my market day. And they, I'd let them you know, pick apart the chicken, eat some, and then we'd make fajitas with it. So it's like, they would have that. I'd bake something using, you know, the best possible ingredients that, you know, didn't have additives, you know, didn't um, have dyes and, you know, fake yeah. things in it or things that you couldn't even right. read. Right. But the other thing is, is that a number one food source is going to be loaded with, let's say, all those things that are, you know, aren't good for our body. But the other thing is, how is it grown? So even a whole food that's grown, let's take the almighty strawberry. It's the loaded with chemicals and pesticides and, you know, um, things like that, that my kids used to want to go to a juice mm -hmm. place and they get that big juice cup of uh, strawberry smoothie. And I would yell at them, like, how come you're not making it organic strawberries? So you can imagine the pounds of pesticides in that big drink that they're thinking is really right. great, but because it wasn't organic, they're also drinking the yeah. pesticides. So that's the difference between a 10 whole close to the source food. And then when you look at your package, highly processed, highly fried foods. So you have also your detrimental fats that really wreak havoc on our organs. Okay like, you know, your mm -hmm. liver and all those things. So mm -hmm. your number one food source is highly fried. It's highly processed with all kinds of additives in it. So that's like the spectrum of a one to two to three, five is in the middle. That's also in the book as well. That spectrum of we're aiming to have number 10 during our healing. And then you get to play between 10 and five, mm -hmm. you know, it's, we're big. There's also a whole chapter on treats. You know, we all know chocolate's good for us, right? right? <laughs> and so it's learning which sugars are going to be more beneficial than, you know, 
cane sugar and, you know, what's not going to spike our, you know, blood sugar, insulin. And so it's really, again, all of that explanation of being choosy of what you're putting in your body. And so I look at it like this is our star food, that big basket of farm fresh, you know, seasonal, locally grown vegetables that are going to serve your body to make your cells happy. <laughs> right? I love that. These are all such great tips. I love this cookbook so much. Where is this book available? Everywhere books are sold. Did it come out? So yes. So you can order it like at a Barnes and Noble. You can order it or they have it at your um, local independent bookstores. It is available on Amazon, both in a hard copy and in a Kindle version. So you, depending on, you know, your price. That's amazing. Well, you know, for so many people that get the diagnosis or suspect they need to go gluten-free, they have symptoms of inflammation, brain fog, rashes, fatigue, joint pain, weight gain, and we name it, we can go on forever here. This is a great starting point. You know, this is really where getting your kitchen together, getting your pantry together, thinking through, you know, a little bit ahead of time of what food might look like for the week for your family and then getting your kids on board, I know is always a question so many of you ask me, but it is possible. I'm here to talk about it. Peggy's here to talk about it. Just realize that it can be done but it is slow incremental change. Sometimes it's hard to go in and wipe everything off, but making these switches until everyone's acclimated often works, unless you're trying to heal a disease. If you're trying to heal a disease, then you do have to kind of take the, the big hammer approach. Peggy, any kind of last words to everybody listening today? Oh, I love it. Yes. So we have currygirlskitchen.com is where they can find my daughter and me. We have you know, Instagram, Facebook, we have a whole host of videos on YouTube of Curry Girls Kitchen. We also have um, a podcast called Make Life Delicious, talking about the life and how we started all Mm -hmm. of this, Uh, TikTok. Um, So it's, we have all of those platforms to serve you as well as our um, new designed um, website with all a lot of recipes. And you can also DM us, you know, for your questions, for your help. We're coaches. Megan's a functional medicine oh, wow. coach. So we really look yeah. at that. Um, yeah. And we have also what's great with the book is we have a video course called Damn Good in mm. the Kitchen that helps doctors help their patients set themselves up in the kitchen. And it's a really fun video oh, course. Yeah, have to check so, that out for sure. It's so Wonderful. Good. Well, thank you so much for taking time out today to join us. Now I asked you in the beginning what your superpower was. You said it's your morning routine. When life gets crazy though, how do you maintain that? Oh, um, <laughs> well, when I breathe, One, I will definitely, you know, kind of slow things down, take stock of what's going on so that I can come and react in a way that's serving both for myself and for the person where the craziness is happening. I love it. Oh my (laughs) gosh. We got to end on that note. I love that uplifting, positive note. Thank you, Peggy, for taking time out to join us. The book is Damn Good Gluten-Free. And for those of you who are trying to go gluten-free or understand what this whole gluten-free business is all about, this is a great resource. I highly recommend it. 
And I hope to see you on one of my next episodes. Don't forget to rate and review it and share it with your friends. I'm on Spotify, Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio. Share it. And if you uh, post a review, I'll send you a free bottle of Boost. I'll see you guys next time. 